So, uh, uh, hi, it's Graham here. Sorry to interrupt your podcast listening like this, but uh, I wondered if you could do us a little favour. I haven't told Carol I'm going to do this, and frankly, I'm not sure she's going to find out. Let's maybe keep it that way, shall we? Uh, I don't think she listens to the podcast, so she won't hear that I've tacked this on to the beginning. But the European Security Blogger Awards, they're about to happen, and Smashing Security has been nominated in a couple of categories. Huzzah, huzzah! You can vote in the awards for your favourite security blogs and security podcasts, hint, hint, but you've only got a few days before the voting closes. So do it today. Do it now. Hit pause. Oh, not before I've told you the URL. It's smashingsecurity.com slash vote. That will redirect you through magic to the voting form. And, well, hey, made the best podcast co-hosted for the last six or so years by a Brit and a Canadian win. Um, yeah, over to you. Smashingsecurity.com slash vote. Thank you very much. We love you all, uh, at least the people who vote for us. Uh, but for now, back to your normal service. And uh, sorry about this interruption. Zoe, the thing is, Carol thinks she invented the phrase take heed. It goes back I a few see. years in our relationship. And no, so I just, what happened is I used it once, the first time ever that it was ever mentioned between either of us in a very, very funny context. And we both cried with laughter. And then therefore I own that fucking statement. That, that's how it works. And, and so she insists on putting TM Carolterio after I say take heed. I'm just, I'm just, are, you, are you like the Taylor Swift of this relationship? Just trying to trademark everything. <laughs> Because it takes a lot. He's a taker. That's all I'm going to say. He's a taker. <laughs> you got to protect your assets. They're all at it. Smashing Security, Episode 184. Vanity Bitcoin Wallets, Blue Leaks, and a Coronavirus App Conspiracy. With Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 184. My name's Graham Cluley. And I'm Carol Terrio. Hello, Carol. Hello, Graham. And we are, steady, we are joined by a special guest, someone who hasn't been on the show before. It is BBC technology journalist and co-host of Backspace and Beyond, the podcast, Zoe Kleinman. Hello, Zoe. Hello, Graham. Welcome, Zoe. Thank you, Carol. Very excited to have you here. Now, have you listened to the show before or is this a baptism of fire? <laughs> no, no, I had a listen. I've, in fact, I've been listening to you rather a lot in the last uh, week or so, Carol, while I, you know, familiarised myself with As the podcast. As if lockdown wasn't bad enough now. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Zoe, I did a little recon on you because we've never met. We haven't. And I just plugged your name in my search engine. Mm -hmm. And after all your socials came up, <laughs> An article written by you came up from 2010 in the BBC News. Do you know what article it might be? Oh, my word. A 10-year-old article. Yep. It was number four hit after your social media. Is it? Mm -hmm. Something I wrote 10 years ago. Oh, hello. I've just... <laughs> yep. It's okay. So it's in the show notes. Oh, my word. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> wow. How photographs are airbrushed. Yes. Yeah, in the first of a five-part series about technology and modern culture, this is 2010, BBC News looks at the rise of image manipulation. So what a cool thing to come up. Well, I tell you what, I wish I still looked like that. <laughs> you, you do. <laughs> These days, I'd settle for the before photo. I really would. <laughs> <laughs> which one's the before? I haven't pressed play yet. Which one's the before and which one's the after? Oh, Graham, you are such a charming man. The one on the right. <laughs> <is> <laughs> <before>. <laughs> Sorry, sorry, that's my throat. Can you not see the one on the left with the, like the, you know, sparkling eyes and the gleaming white straightened oh. teeth? That's not me. I think they look beautiful <laughs> in both and it's fantastic. Links in the show notes, thinking. folks. Links in the show notes. <laughs> so, Crow, what's coming up on the show this week? First, thanks to this week's sponsors, MetaCompliance and LastPass. Their support helps us give you this show for free. Now, on today's show, Graham shares Bitcoin investment advice. Zoe gives us the latest on COVID track and trace apps. And I share what I've learned about the Blue Leaks archive. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, chums, chums. 
Some people have done marvellous things for the world, haven't they? I, I don't want to blow my own trumpet, but... Good, don't. Some celebrities, they've gone the extra mile to wake up the world to the problems which are out there. People like... I'm thinking of people like Bono. Oh, People great. like... Mother Teresa? <laughs> no, not her so much. Bob Geldof, <laughs> right? And Richard Curtis. They've done their bit to make poverty history, drop in the debt, feed in the world. And now, of course, we have what another... What about Eddie There's so many more. Well, we guess he's done a bit of running around in a dress. But I mean... <laughs> a bit of than... running around? What? He's, he ran what 40 he marathons in 40 days. That is extremely impressive. That's extraordinary. That is very good. Well, look, we now have another saviour. Uh, okay. we've, we've mocked him in the past, and I think it's time for us to stop doing that because Elon Musk is literally saving the human race by helping us take our first step into the stars and beyond with his SpaceX exploration. What a guy. I'm, okay. As we saw in last month, we saw that amazing rocket launch, the, the astronauts with their, they got those new style spacesuits, right? It's like so cool. There are new types of spacesuits now as well. He is a master of getting attention for himself and his company, of course, whether it's launching a Tesla car into deep space or messing around with Johnny Depp's ex or giving his child a ridiculous name, whatever it might be. You're fascinated by him, though. You are. Everyone is fascinated by him. We mm. find when we do stories about him, everybody wants to know. Okay, can I ask you both a question? Yeah, if okay. you could invite eight people to your final dinner party, social distancing <laughs> party, <laughs> right? Yes. Your Zoom dinner party, right? And everyone in the world would attend. Would he be one of the eight? No. Even though he's a world leader in improving the world, according <laughs> no, to you, Graham. Definitely not. Okay. No. Okay. No. I don't warm to him particularly. No. Maybe, maybe if he does save the world, then perhaps, you know, just to thank him, give him some dinner. But then he probably wouldn't want my dinner anyway, would he? He wouldn't want it. He wouldn't fancy it. What, bangers and mash? It would. The fake mash? What's it called, that stuff? Smash. Smash. <laughs> is that where we got the name from? <gasps> oh, maybe it is. Sorry, anyway, I digress. Slightly. Um, <laughs> now, with someone like Elon Musk, it wouldn't mm. be a surprise for many people if, you know, because he's so charitable, if you ended up watching a live stream from Elon Musk's own YouTube account, telling them about an incredible offer, saying 500 Bitcoins up for grabs. That's 5 million US dollars or in British money, 32 pounds 50, which you could get your hands on. And the live stream says that all you need to do, right, is send some Bitcoins to Elon's account and he will charitably give you double in return. Or maybe even 10 times as much. So was this an Elon Musk deep fake that was being used? Or was it just like a slide deck of pictures of him? Well, I think I think what was happening on this particular occasion was there was live footage from uh, the NASA and SpaceX rocket launch. Okay. And overlaid on it were these... Hey, you, you, should, you know about this, Zoe. You know how when you're watching BBC News, you get all those tickers and all those... Mm -hmm. all, the, all the things filling up the bottom third of the screen. What are they called? Well, the news ticker is the thing that, that just sort of throws headlines at you. And then the where you get the, the name of the person speaking and their job title or whatever, that we call those Astons. Astons. Yeah, which I think is a brand name. I didn't know that for years, but actually I think it might be a brand name. Uh, well, I can think of it as Aston Villa. <laughs> Maybe it's from Birmingham. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was invented up there. Who knows? But uh, yeah, so uh, and then you get a message at the bottom of the screen, maybe saying, look, here is the Elon's wonderful offer to make lots of Bitcoin. Now, I know what you're thinking because you're cynical types. You're skeptical people. Smart. That's the other word. Yeah. <laughs> you're thinking. We've seen scams like this before on Twitter. You're thinking, you know, we, we've even seen them on YouTube, right? Mm-hmm where, you know, accounts are being created in the name of SpaceX, 130,000 subscribers. Elon Musk has been used in these scams before. Yes, yes, fact, it's been done himself. on things like Twitter, exactly, yeah. where mm -hmm. people have created fake Elon accounts, they've added his picture mm -hmm. and tried to trick people into believing it's him making an offer. So how do we know that this particular one, this particular YouTube channel, live streaming is a genuine offer? And it's not necessarily straightforward. Because you may have been taken there by YouTube's own recommendation algorithm, right? If you regularly search on YouTube for things like, I don't know, Tesla or SpaceX or rocket launch and things like that, it's quite possible that this YouTube channel 
It okay. showed you as well. Would you not think of looking at who produced it? Like, was it from Elon Musk's oh. own channel, for example? Well, when you look at it, it says it's a verified account, and there's Elon's name, and there's Elon's photo as well. Okay, so I'm just going to carry on mm-hmm. telling you what I would do, so you can, mm-hmm. I want you to trip me up. So then I would go look. Okay, I'd see his name there, and I would go look at the playlist of the videos that he had pushed out. Okay, yeah, you could do that. So I don't know what would happen then in your... I don't know what it would show. I mean, potentially it could be re-uploaded videos, which look quite genuine. Maybe the thing is, with Elon Musk as well, he's so unusual, isn't he, that you almost think... It, <laughs> that shit crazy, you mean? Uh, She's so polite. That, that is one way of putting it. I mean, <laughs> it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he would tweet something like this at four o'clock in the morning, is it? Exactly. He's bananas. I mean, I'm putting it out there right now, right? Elon Musk is going to end up US president one day. So ironically, is that crazy? (laughs) Ironically, though, maybe his craziness works against him in this case, because people might go, okay, this could be true. And I don't want to miss out. Right. Mm. Exactly. And so people, Mm. people, and what they do is when they look at the Bitcoin address, and normally, I don't know if you've ever looked at a Bitcoin address, it's normally a a jumble of random characters. You know, it's, I I don't know, it's probably like about 26 characters, something like that long. You know, it's just all, but in this particular case, these are what appear to be vanity Bitcoin addresses. So you will have a, a Bitcoin address, which is mostly all jumbled up, but at the beginning, you might have one and then Musk, or one Elon Musk, maybe with a couple of characters small. So it looks like these are special vanity Bitcoin addresses, which only a crazy tech billionaire would be mad enough to pay the fortune. Is that a bit like a personalised number plate? I I kind of like the idea of it. It is. It is like a personalised number plate. Zoe, what would yours be? Your personalised number plate, if you had a rock and roadster. I am blessed Blessed and cursed with a very, very short name, aren't I? I always struggle with these things. You know, my name is <laughs> Zoe, which is only three letters. Yeah, you could have Zoe Rocks. Yeah, but I would never get that. I would have to be like Zoe 1597230AB or something. And then I'd just look like a scammer, wouldn't I? You could I? have Z03 in like Leet Speak. Oh, yeah, oh, Leet Speak. Because you're the tech journo. <laughs> Do you think anyone would get that joke? <laughs> Could be kind of cool. But okay, I would argue that people already with web and phishing are already a little bit clued up to what if an address just mildly indicates a name, it might actually be a a bad place to go. So You don't think that that would reassure people that it's more likely to be legitimate? Starting with a one and then being followed by 10 to 20 different, you know. They all have Bitcoin addresses, but this is one where his actual name is in the middle of it as well. Yeah, I can see that could look legit for some people. Anyway. Take heed, obviously, is oh, our warning oh, here. Sorry, where's the TM from? Because, yeah. <laughs> Zoe, the thing is, <laughs> Carol thinks she invented the phrase take heed. It goes back I a few see. years in our relationship. And no, so I just, what happened was I used it once, the first time ever that it was ever mentioned between either of us in a very, very funny context. And we both cried with laughter. And then therefore I own that fucking statement. That's how it works. And, and so she insists on putting TM Carol Terrio after I say take heed. I'm just, I'm just, are, you, are you like the Taylor Swift of this relationship? Just trying to trademark everything. Look, I, I, he, t- he takes a lot. He's a taker. That's all I'm going to say. He's a taker. You've got to protect your assets. They're all exactly. assets. So, so, chums, let me explain what is going on here. Hackers are hijacking people's YouTube account. YouTube accounts which have hundreds of thousands of followers in some cases. YouTube accounts which aren't properly protected or maybe are reusing passwords, don't have multi-factor authentication. They are changing the names of those YouTube accounts. Is that that easy to do? Yes. It's an absolute doddle. Okay. (laughs) They're then changing the names to say Elon Musk. And then they're live streaming and they're changing the profile photo as well. And they've already got hundreds of thousands of followers. And YouTube then begins to point people to these videos. And because they're live streaming genuine footage of something like a a Tesla launch or an Elon Musk space flight or something like that, but they're adding extra graphics and extra messaging about the Bitcoin offer, it seems quite convincing to people. Yeah, the New York Times put out a podcast recently called The Rabbit Hole, and they talk a lot about how YouTube is suggesting videos that are maybe not necessarily appropriate for the viewer. Mm. And basically, they're helping form the whole world that we live in. In the past, scammers have posed as everybody from Kate Winslet 
Bill Gates, John McAfee, football manager Alex Ferguson. Um, in April, oh Zoe, there was a fake BBC News report. Was there? <laughs> not not fake news, don't panic. Oh God. <laughs> a faked BBC News report, which used images of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. We're not supposed to call her Meghan Markle anymore, are we? Now she's married. She's, she's no, the, the Duchess. Isn't the she? Duchess of something. Um, and that was intended to dupe Bitcoin investors as well. Oh, dear. Oh, it's too freaking sad. It's too freaking sad. <laughs> Can I tell you my Bitcoin story? Yes. Yes, please do. So a few years ago, I was sent to the Isle of Man by the BBC. And mm. uh, the Isle of Man was trying to sort of promote itself as being like Bitcoin Island, basically. They were sort of <laughs> saying, you know, this is going to be our currency. You will be able to live here just on Bitcoin. So I went along with uh, my producer, a good friend of mine, Sarah. We went for the weekend. And the, the thing we were trying to do for the radio, we were trying to survive for a weekend on Bitcoin right. on the Isle of Man. Oh. So I discovered that it's quite hard to do that. Um, we managed to get a taxi and pay in Bitcoin for the That's taxi, good. which was cool. And we managed to get a pint of beer in a pub and pay for it with Bitcoin. Okay. Um, but that was kind of it. So we were pretty hungry and pretty drunk most yeah, of the weekend. Arsehole, but you at least got home safely. <laughs> Zoe, what is your story for us this week? So I want to talk to you about a story that really divided opinion, I think. It had a lot of the kind of tech heads rolling their eyes and a lot of normal people getting very freaked out. It's one of those sorts of stories. Mm. So the story is about COVID-19, as all stories are at the moment. <laughs> um, but specifically, you know, there's been this saga, hasn't there, of the Track and Trace app that mm. was going to happen, wasn't going to happen, was trialled on the Isle of Wight, didn't work. Apple and Google said, look, we've come up with a tool that could help. And the UK said, no, no, we don't want your tool. We want to do our own thing. And now they've sort of said, actually, can, can, we, can, can we use that tool as well, please? And, uh, you know, negotiations are ongoing. Anyway, as part of the fairly recent updates to both the iPhone and Android phone operating systems, this little widget appeared, which says COVID-19 tracing tool. And probably it's been on people's phones for several weeks in some cases, and nobody's noticed it because it's kind of hidden away. I think in, in Apple's iPhone, it's sort of hidden in the privacy settings. Yeah, you go into settings, don't you? And I think it's under privacy. Yeah, in, in an iPhone, it's under privacy. And in a, an Android phone, it's under Google services. Okay, I'm trying. I'm in the privacy section, but I don't seem to have anything. On iPhones, go into the settings app. Yeah. Go to the privacy menu. Yeah. And then health subsection. Uh, health okay yeah oh yes there Look you at go that covid19 exposure logging there you go and mine's turned off yeah so they're all turned off by default what this is is the api that google and apple have built together which would enable any future tracing app bear in mind there isn't one to work so if we were to get an app and you were to download it and use it and you were to activate that thing, you would be tracked and traced via the app that we don't have, right? Yeah. But anyway, the point is, is that everyone is just freaked out because it looks like sort of sneakily this tracing thing has appeared on people's phones and the conspiracy theories have gone nuts People are furious, whether it's the government or Google and Apple, the tech giants doesn't seem to make any difference. They're still furious that this has sneaked on. Let me take a guess at random. Would this crazy conspiracy theory that <laughs> they'd secretly installed a tracing app onto our phones, would that perhaps have been spread on a site like Facebook, maybe? <laughs> Is that I, I mean, imagine if such a thing were to happen, Graham. I think, I think social media has certainly had a field day with us. And I was in the position where I was working on Saturday, right, which is, you know, never a good spot to find oneself in. But there I am working on Saturday and mm. I'm seeing this going nuts. I'm like, I wouldn't normally write the story about an operating system update, you know, unless mm. it was unless it was spectacular. And this is not in itself spectacular. It's just, yeah. it's pretty obvious what it is. But the chat and the fear around it is so great that I feel like we need to spell it out. So I wrote this little story about it, just basically saying what I've said to you, you know, and, and, and I put in the headline, the headline of the story was new COVID-19 tracing tool 
is not an app, right? And then hundreds of people got in touch going, oh my God, what is this app? And I'm like, oh, oh my word, have you actually even read the headline? <laughs> you know, it is not an app. And and one person I had a back and forth with on Twitter, because I, I, I don't believe that you should be smug about these things. Just because you know something doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. mean that someone else does. So I'm trying to be calm and reasoned. And in the end, I'm like, I really can't say this in any other phrase. You know, I don't know how else to put this to you. It is not an app. <laughs> yeah. So it is complicated though. So mm. basically, make sure I understand it correctly, because maybe I've got this wrong. So Google and Apple work together to build some kind of system that would allow tracing apps to work better with Bluetooth connectivity and phone distance and all that. Exactly right. The UK government decided to go a different route, go down a centralized route, didn't want to go down this route, but then started changing its mind. So this stuff is just there as laying the groundwork on our phones or devices for a subsequent app that the government might put out. Which might use their technology, that's right. Which might use their technology. But but in much the same way as, Mm. you know, your phone comes preloaded, doesn't it, with all sorts of stuff that would enable you to do things that you might choose not to do. Like, you know, you, you have Apple or Google Pay, you might not want to use it, but your phone is set up mm. so that you can use Apple Google Pay if you want to. And and this is really an extension of that. But I think there's so much anxiety and fear around it. And, mm. you know, some of the sort of tech bros were like, well, didn't they read the update terms and conditions? Yeah, well, I was just thinking that because I did do an update recently, maybe whatever, five days ago or something on the weekend. And obviously, that's when that update might have happened. And I didn't read it. Normally, I'm, I'm a bit of a stickler for that. But because I guess I trust Apple and its updates and I can't, you know, I'm not going to leave it unprotected anyway. I just sometimes do it blindly. Yeah. But that means that I can understand why people might have gotten freaked out by seeing this. So good that you wrote the story to tell people. Well, thank you. It was one of those where some people were saying, oh, well, you are, what, what is it? Somebody said to me, you exist to downplay these sorts of things. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> Uh, in terms of my life's priorities, you know, I'm a, I'm a mother, I'm a journalist, I'm working, I've got family, like, you know, existing to downplay operating system updates is is pretty low down in, in terms and of my to-do list. And it was a Saturday. And it was a Saturday. But, but, you know, a lot of people did say thank you very much because they were yeah. frightened by it. And I think the more people were, you know, like you just did, Carollo, like, what's this? And then you sort of go through the menu because somebody tells you about it. You're like, whoa, I've got it as well. When did I get it? And that. Mm-hmm. You know, it all kind of became a big a big fear thing. Right. So it's not just like, you know, a lot of people would say I know more about technology than the average person. And still, I was a bit... And I think the use of the word logging is quite yes. emotive, isn't it? Immediately mm-hmm. you think, oh, hang on. Some, you know, even though you know that those devices are harvesting data left, right and center, that's what they do. But still, seeing it written down like that is, is potentially alarming, isn't yeah. it? Well, when you were explaining it, I was going through to kind of see how they explain it. So there's read more, read more. And I can't say that it's done in a very friendly manner accessible to all you know people that are 13 have iphones right mm. people that are 90 have iphones mm, exactly i mean my mum would totally freak out yeah i haven't, I haven't even told her about this i'm like just don't look at the bbc news today because you know she will freak out about this <laughs> well I, I i suddenly got contacted by people as well who'd seen this thing and they said graham have you seen what they've done they've oh, secretly really, inst- eh? oh yes they've secretly installed an app onto our phones and I said, no, 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 they haven't. This is just your regular iOS or Did Android you use your update. Jesus voice? No, yeah. no, children. Well, well, Calm down. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. That Let me advise you. I don't know that you had such a classy English accent <laughs> <laughs> as that, but... <laughs> Carole, what have you got for us this week? Okay, so this one is a little tricky, tricky. So this is all according to investigative security blogger Brian Krebs, that hundreds of thousands of potentially sensitive files from police departments across the US were leaked online last week. Hmm. And the whole thing has been named the Blue Leak Archives. So this is not a tiny, tiny little dump. This is a huge treasure trove, 270 gigs strong. Like that's big. I don't know. I was trying to work out how many pieces, if you're printing that off, how how many files that would be. (laughs) It's a lot, a lot, a lot. Apparently it's the size of the typical computer back in 2009. So if your entire computer was just this, that's what it would have been. If you printed out, a lot of polar bears are going to drown, basically. Right? So don't do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. How many pages? Exactly. Yeah. We should write a little script that does that. That would be a very good thing to measure all this stuff. So a group called Distributed Denial of Secrets, or DDO Secrets, mm-hmm. I guess that's the way I could do it. So they're dubbed as an alternative to WikiLeaks. Because we need we need another WikiLeaks, don't we? We need another we one. We need another one. That works out. It worked out so well for him. 
they've claimed responsibility for publishing the Blue Leak archive. And on Twitter, they have this Latin strap line, I guess, that loosely translates to something like, to know the truth, let justice be done. Right. So, you know, or expose the truth, let justice be done. Something like that. My Latin's pretty rusty. I'm sure it sounds better in Latin. I actually studied Latin for three years. I should know exactly what it says, but I don't know. <laughs> I think I'd be really rubbish at um, at being a, a data thief like this, because obviously we can't have, you know, you can't have any stolen data, you can't access it. And I sort of think, thank goodness, because if somebody presented me with, what did you say, a load of files that, <laughs> that would fit on a 2000 computer, yeah. I mean, pages and pages, I just think, <laughs> I can't be bothered. I might read the first three lines, go and have a cup of tea. Very interesting, Zoe. Put that in your pocket. That's going to come oh, up okay. later. Very interesting. <laughs> so they said, so this DDO Secrets group on Twitter said that the Blue Leaks archived indexed, 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 indexed. How do I say that? Indexed <laughs> 10 years of data from over 200 police departments and centralized interjurisdictional centers and law enforcement training and support resources, basically all the kind of systems that the authorities use across America. And the perps behind this said that among the hundreds of thousands of documents uh, were police and FBI reports, bulletins, guides, and more. So they reported this on Twitter. Okay. Now, this group, DDOS uh, Secrets, I hate I'm this name. I'm very annoyed by their name. Me too. You know, this is maybe going to tell new people who are going to try this to get a better name because podcasts matter. They need, they need better PR, don't they? Yeah, exactly. DDoS secrets. <laughs> now, they, they started <laughs> issuing tweets like listing a smattering of agencies that were included in this big data dump. So you had things like Austin Regional Intelligence Center, Boston Regional Intelligence Center, a California Narcotic Officers Association, Delaware. So you can say I'm going alphabetically. So it went on and on and on. Mm-hmm. An official confirmed the leak to Brian Krebs from the um, authority side, saying that the data in the leak actually didn't span 10 years, but probably 24 years, from August 96 through to June 19, 2020. And he says the documents included names, email addresses, phone numbers, PDF docs galore, images, large numbers of text, videos, CSV, zip files. So a huge gamut of information. Right. Now... It appears that the data published in the Blue Leaks archive was due to a security breach at a company called NetSential. These guys are in Houston, Texas, and they are like a web development firm that basically provide web managed services to loads of law enforcement agencies across the state. So what do they do? Do they leave a bucket open or something or some sort of? Well, they told Brian Krebs they think that a compromised web user account was used uh-huh. and that they used the web upload feature to upload malicious content. And I wanted to ask you, like, can you harden a website against that? But if you're accepting people's uploads, surely you would say, yeah, but no, no, no exes, please. Or Well, yeah, it depends what they're uploading. But I, I imagine they were uploading a bit of script or something. And hopefully you'd be able to sanitize that and... and- prevent it so so it's it looks it doesn't look great on the authorities no it doesn't no it doesn't look great on the authorities that that got through from what i've read so far there's no accountability on their side on that front they're just saying they got through this way right now also blue leaks archive released on june 19th which was known as juneteenth this is the oldest nationally celebrated commemoration for the end of slavery in the u.s so all those are important facts mm-hmm. for my... We're now going into the weeds, Zoe and Graham. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> from my point of view, right, from a political standpoint, the message is clear. The you cops don't play fair in your communities and or across the states, so we're fighting back by putting all this information mm. online. But there are a number of concerns online. So Reddit has a number of posts on this with thousands and thousands of comments. And it appears that when the documents were initially published, both victims of crimes and suspects of crimes were initially searchable in the database that they published. Oh, so this isn't just data about police? No. Oh. Um, One Redditor said that the Blue Leaks archive was searchable by reason for investigation, suspect's name, suspect address, suspect's birth date, known associates, bank account numbers, bank account routing, etc., etc., etc. And this goes back to the mid-1990s? 1996. This commenter also explained something interesting because 
explained that there would probably be next to no police misconduct findings in this treasure trove. And that's echoed by someone else, a lawyer that was representing one of the officials on this. Because most of the information comes from these uh, inter-jurisdiction investigation coordinating service. So basically, if you were in Texas and you needed to work with cops in Delaware, you would use these services to share information. Okay, yep. And you tend to use that in an investigative sense, not to put in reports of misconduct, because misconduct doesn't necessarily happen across jurisdictional borders. Yeah, yeah, understood. So... You have this wave of people now saying, holy moly, guys, you just made things a heck of a lot worse for a fuck ton of victims out there, right? Who maybe are frightened of abusers. Is that a metric fuck ton or an imperial yes. fuck ton? Yes. <laughs> it's a very important fuck ton. Right. So it's, you know, it's, it's kind of frightening for people that, you know, if you think of abusers and criminals being able to find victims that have not been, you know, protected. So it's yeshi, 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 yeshi. I mean, I, th- I think the idea of leaking data and people's personal information is horrendous anyway, regardless whether it's police people or criminals as well. But if it's going back that length of time, then people will have moved house or their phone numbers will change. Or change jobs or, or no longer be cops. Right. Or, you know, or changed whatever. <laughs> You know? Well, they really are a, a true reflection of the way WikiLeaks used to work, aren't they? <laughs> this is really interesting because once the information got out that this uh, database was available and accessible, getting accessed quite a lot and people started stamping their feet online, this is only a week old. Right. And the DDoS secrets team started redacting victims' names. But as I said, it's humongous data set, right? So um, people are saying they've definitely missed some. You know, people are now online going, I've seen one here and I've seen one there. So in a way, they're kind of helping them reject it. But how many times has it been downloaded? That's going to take a while, isn't it? I think my big worry here is that they got their hands on the data. And because they definitely wanted to get it out on Juneteenth for the PR impact, they didn't have enough time to do their due diligence. Oh, I see. So, And they didn't scrub the data properly. So, they, you know, I kept reading this going, why didn't they just wait? Why didn't they just do it properly? And it's because they wanted to hit that date. It's a very important yes. date, not only this year, but in the States every year. So it's I, I can understand that. But at the same time, you know, when you're going to uh, out some wrong, you need to protect the innocent. Otherwise, it turns you into a villain. I don't think you should call it uh, scrubbing the data, by the way. I think you should probably call it airbrushing, which is the the, the, the term of the podcast. I think The this, term of the podcast, if we, airbrush If we it. had an airbrushing expert on the podcast, we'd be able to talk to them about <laughs> that. <laughs> I tell you what interests me about this story, actually, moving away from the airbrushing. This is like a, a debate that we have at work sometimes. For me, there was a real change in tech reporting at about the time of WikiLeaks, because up mm. until then, the way in which a message was communicated was as interesting as the message itself. You know, like going back into the archives, we did stories that are like man orders pizza on internet, because <laughs> you know, it was so amazing that he'd done it. Now, these days, it, that would not be the story. The story would be what was on the pizza or what happened to the pizza or did the man yes. die? Or, you, know, do you know what I mean? Mm. And with WikiLeaks, it felt like a shift from, you know, this is not a tech story because these this information was was leaked via email and in the old days that would be that would be like oh right email mm, that's a tech story but actually the the global politics of the content of those messages was much more important and so it became not a tech story it became you know a, a global politics yeah. story and i th- and i sort of feel like i i struggle still with that now i'm thinking about this blue leak story of yours and thinking is the story is the story the leak itself or is the story as you said the victims mm. who are who are named within the leak, you know, is, is it a sort of, is it a data story or is it a politics story? What, what, you know, where, where would you put it? It's quite, it's interesting, isn't it? it no, it's completely interesting. And it's, you know, I kind of get it. Like, you know, I, I get their idea of like, hey, if we're going to gain trust into everything, we need to have full transparency. But, I, you know, as we learned with Julian Assange's Icarus moment, right? <laughs> There's also responsibility is an important role to play. You can't just put out information with people's names in it and expect everyone to go, oh, well done. Thanks so much for that. Especially if there's victims through it. So I think they got this huge treasure trove and they didn't read it. So the same as you were saying earlier. Someone put that on my desk. Would I go through it all? I think they said exactly the same thing. Julian Assange's Icarus moment. You make (laughs) it sound like he launched himself from the Ecuadorian balcony. That's not well, how he came do you out. Think he's, do you think he's feeling a bit burned now? Maybe you want to read <laughs> maybe, your... your maybe, <laughs> maybe from his tanning salon. Well, he had a tanning machine in there, didn't he? Really? I think so. <laughs> um, anyway, 
you know, look, we all poop, right? But very few of us chose to do it publicly. So I just think you shouldn't. How do you know we all poop? Have you got any evidence of that? But I know you poop. You're an innocent pooper. <laughs> Stop making assumptions. When I'm around your house and I go to the laboratory, you've got no idea what goes on. <sighs> I wish that were true. <laughs> <laughs> Are you having trouble remembering your plethora of passwords? Maybe it's time you look to get a password manager. LastPass by LogMeIn is a password manager both for consumers and the enterprise. In a company, you get extras like central admin oversight, controlled shared access, automated user management, and everything is protected with multi-factor authentication. Learn more at lastpass.com forward slash smashing. Oh, and if you're a home user, LastPass is available for free. So check it out. Lastpass.com forward slash smashing. The folks at Meta Compliance are fabulous, not only because they're sponsoring our podcast this week, but also because they're offering listeners a free cybersecurity awareness for dummies book. In the guide, you will learn what cybersecurity awareness means for your organization, how to implement a cyber risk awareness campaign, the critical role of policies to establish safe baselines, how to maintain momentum and staff engagement, 10 cybersecurity awareness best practices, and oodles, oodles more. Grab a free copy of the Cybersecurity Awareness for Dummies book from Metacompliance now at smashingsecurity.com slash cyberaware. smashingsecurity.com slash cyberaware. Back to the show. And welcome back. And you join us on our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Sorry. Yeah. Pick of the week. Yay. Pick of the week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security related necessarily. Better not be. Well, mine's not security related, but it is maybe privacy related. Mm. So <laughs> you know how people have been taking up new habits? Uh, over lockdown. You know, they thought, oh, maybe I'll become an artist. Maybe I'll do really? some... Is that a dick? Maybe, no, no, no. Better not be. Maybe I'll maybe I'll read a book about, I don't know, whatever, or learn to play the piano. I have a website, and I like nothing more, if I have a spare moment, to tinker around with my website. And I think, oh... Oh, my God, is your make... website your pick of the uh, week? Are you just no, trying to get not, a bit of traffic? Not quite, not quite. You're so hey, freaking obvious. Could... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Is that how this works? I didn't realise this. <laughs> so it's a WordPress website, right? And I had Jetpack installed, which was mostly for WordPress stats, but it slowed down my site. I also had Google Analytics, which is free in quotes. But I didn't really like that they were getting all that data and it felt uncomfortable. And I want stats on my website because I have sponsors on my website and occasionally they say to me, do you get any visitors on your website, Graham? And so it'd be nice to be able to say to them, yes, I do. But I don't want to use Google Analytics anymore, right? And I don't want to use WordPress's Jetpack thing. So? So I started looking for something more privacy conscious to measure my traffic instead. And I came across something which doesn't track bounce rates, which I couldn't care about, or the time a visitor spends on a page. And it is called Coco Analytics. Coco with Ks. It is a free open source WordPress plugin, and it's marvellous. And so how long have you been using Cocoa Analytics to, to call it marvelous? I've been I've been using it for a few weeks. Okay. Quite happily. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is an equivalent service called Fathom Analytics which will work on any website. Uh they they seem to be based on the same code base. That is one which you pay for although there's also an open source version on GitHub as well. So this is a uh pick of the week for people that run websites and would like to remove some of the sluggishness and the privacy issues from Google Analytics and right. therefore yeah. There's loads of people out there who run little websites and just by default are using Google right. Analytics which is overkill and it's giving all that data and information to Google. Was, these, was it hard to move over? Oh golly no. Cool. It's an absolute doddle. So you can they absolute can call, so if you have any trouble moving over, just tweet Graham and he'll give you a hand. <laughs> Fantastic. Graham, you're awesome. You guys. <laughs> it's a bit nerdy, but there you go. Zoe, what's your pick of the week? Well, 
I, I was going to tell you about a TV show, but Ooh. now I'm wondering whether my pick of the week should be my podcast. Definitely should be. <laughs> but first, let me tell you about my actual pick of the week, because I am not a great binge watcher of TV. I mm. don't know why. I, busy life. I just, I can't be bothered to, you know, I, like, you know, when you see a series and they go, there's five <laughs> series of this and each series has got 30 episodes and everyone goes, yeah, brilliant. And I think, oh no, that's, that's like half my life that I'm not going to get back. Oh, that's when I go make like a ginormous bowl of buttered peppered popcorn, settle down for about five hours. You dive you know? in, would you? Oh, I can't. I, I very rarely do. It. I find it really hard to do it. But uh, my partner told me about this um, series on Amazon Prime. I've sort of forgotten about Amazon Prime. There's so much video streaming out there now, isn't there? That I'd, I'd forgotten all yeah. about it. But they've made this show called Upload. And I watched it all in three days. They're only like 25, 28 minutes or something, I think, each episode. So it's it's doable. And there's about 10 of them. And what really freaked me out about it and gripped me was that it's it's set in a not so distant future, really. So basically, there's a a guy is killed in a driverless car crash. Right, the car drives into okay. a parked vehicle, and he dies. And there is this company that's, I guess, kind of Google esque in a way that offers a digital afterlife. They found out a way of uploading your brain at the point of death and then kind of recreating you within this virtual world as an avatar. And you just carry on. I watched this, actually. I watched you've this. seen it? Yes. Oh, oh, you've, oh you've seen it, have you, Crow? Yeah, because there's one scene. So that avatar thing, right, at one point, doesn't she, because she's real, his girlfriend's still alive. And he's dead. They don't get it on, do they, virtually? Yes! Oh, for goodness sake. You have to pay, don't you? It costs a fortune to... <laughs> to fuck. <laughs> to, to fuck the dead. It costs a fortune. <laughs> what? What? Oh. Ooh. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you have to pay a fortune... You have to pay a fortune to to be uploaded and say, this guy has this very rich, beautiful heiress girlfriend who pays for him to have this. And there's sort of scenes where he's staying in what looks like a big hotel by a lake. And when he goes to like the fridge to get a drink, it's like an in-app purchase, you know, and, and his clothes, he has to sort of buy like an in-app purchase. And I just... I just loved. I mean, it's it's funny. It's had mixed reviews. It's had mixed reviews, but it's quite funny, isn't it? You say it's like light black mirror, black mirror yeah. light. Yeah, and like you say, you know, there's, there's, they are able to communicate with people who are still living. So he's got this girlfriend who's still alive, who's very beautiful, but they don't really get on. But they they fancy each other, don't they? So there's some really interesting scenes in which they're sort of using this. She's so much more polite than me. It's true. <laughs> it's not difficult. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, that BBC this uh, this virtual reality suit to try and sort of uh, um, you might be into that <laughs> Graham getting on one of those suits. <laughs> it's like a sumo wrestler suit with like feelers. Yeah, <laughs> it's really sexy. Uh, it's very sexy. Yeah. Zoe, tell us about your podcast. <laughs> oh, we had enough of this now. <laughs> And there's one bit where he decides he doesn't want to be sort of um, um, sponging off the, the heiress girlfriend anymore. And he wants to go alone, but he hasn't got any money. And so he the, the, the lowest tier that you can have um, is something that I think all phone users will recognise. You get, you get a data limit. You have a data plan, right? And once your data plan runs out, you're just kind of frozen until the next month rolls around. I forgot that. And then you That's get some more right. Data. That was very interesting. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was just such a, and, and they're like, you know, you, everything uses data. So you can't think too much because that uses data. And you've got to try and kind of slow your life right down so that you eke out enough data to kind of exist, <laughs> you know, it, it, because you can't, you can't carry anything for it. It's just, it was just a really interesting idea. I think the, I think the Cluelies would like it. You should try it. Um, shall we let Zoe plug her podcast oh, now? Oh, thank you. Yeah. So <laughs> Backspace and Beyond, which is my other pick of the week, is a podcast that I do with a friend of mine, Susanna. Um, she's a business journalist and I'm a tech journalist. And we just sort of started doing this thing where we thought, you know, we just want to chat about some of the week's news. And because we come at it from very different perspectives. She knows all about the investment and the money. And I sort of know more about the tech and the, the gadgets, I guess. It, it's just kind of become something that's worked really well. We started doing it thinking nobody's going to listen to it. And then about a month ago, we got a call from Radio 2 because Steve Wright, of all people, had found it and liked Ooh, it and wanted to talk to us wonderful. about it. I know. And I, I, know, it's a, I know you're going to go, yeah, well, you work at the BBC. You no, guys no, know but it's other. really well, nice. We really don't. <laughs> we really don't. I, I, I was 
amazed that he'd sort of found it. So it's just a little kind of project that's become a really, a really fun thing to do. And then lockdown happened. And we were like, well, we have, what on earth are we going to talk about? You know, we haven't got any content anymore. We can't see each other. It's, this is going to be really hard. Um, but actually, it it's not that bad, is it? Like we're doing it now, you know, you sort of get used to talking remotely and, and, and I guess sort of broadcasting yeah. remotely. And it's, it's not been as difficult as we thought to keep it going. So yeah, we're quite proud of it. Talk about all kinds of interesting things, fortnight skins, lingerie <laughs> searches and orgasm algorithms. Did you say foreskins? <laughs> That's a different podcast. No. <laughs> I was say, this I, is after dark. I, I don't think I... <laughs> I'm just trying to get her some clicks. I'm just, I'm just saying We're some keywords here. Which <laughs> Carol, what's your pick of the week? Well, from Blue Leak Archive to the Magnus Archive. Oh, yes. I've chosen that one specifically for this week. So this is by no means a new podcast. It's been around for years, but I hadn't gotten around to listen to it until the Rona hit. So uh, this podcast has won many awards, strong, strong Patreon backing, consistently puts out high quality shows. I've listened to like over 100 of them, and but they're nothing like us. They're nothing like Smashing Security. They're quite good, are they? <laughs> They're really good, Graham. <laughs> so, okay, it's a weekly horror fiction anthology podcast. Okay, so I know right now it's not for either of you two. Zoe, you've made it clear that it's like hearing that there's more than 100 shows, you're probably just... Oh, no, that <laughs> yeah, exactly. sick. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and Graham hates anything that's fictitious. So, so you guys are not my audience. I'm talking to you listeners out there, okay? We're ignoring these two. Oh, we'll just go, shall we, Graham? Yeah, yeah, yeah you guys just go. <laughs> It's basically, think Sherlock Holmes with an x files twist, okay? That's the easiest way I can explain it. So you've got, um, stories are written and they're really written really well and narrated super well by Jonathan Sims. And they're directed by Alexander Newell. They're a great little team. There was one, for example, where the person kills a spider, right? A spider, they move into a flat, they see a spider, they kill the spider. The next day, the spider's in the same spot looking at them directly with their little eight eyes. She kills again, shows up closer, and ends up being in her face when she wakes up in the morning. Oh, my word. So it's all kind of kind of cute, old school kind of scare stuff. So I also hate spiders. So you're scaring me even more. There's a hundred episodes oh, and they're all about spiders. Yeah, no, you'd hate that episode. You'd hate that episode. <laughs> one, of, one of the worst spider stories I think I ever heard was on uh, Planet Earth, you know, in this big nature documentary thing. Oh my God, this thing is called something like the, the spider viper, right? It's a massive snake, enormous, scary snake, poisonous snake. And it hides in the little crevices in the clifftops. And on the end of its tail is this like thing that looks like a big spider so it sticks its tail at the end waves it about so it looks like this big spider right and the birds fly and go oh that looks like a spot of lunch i'll go and have that get close to the spider viper at which point it flips around and it and goes aha you idiots like what kind of evil thing is that you know what that's deep fakes that's a true deep fake <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I watched it with the children and I was like, they were, they thought it was amazing, of course. And I was hiding behind the sofa. Oh my word. I need to, I need to find out where these things are so I can permanently avoid them. I, I, I feel like, you know, oh, even talking about it is making me shiver. <laughs> I don't even like horror. I never watch horror. Don't listen to the stuff. I don't seek it out, but I really, really love listening to this. So thank you so much. Whoever recommended to me, I can't remember who it was. It's great. Magnus Archives, a great horror podcast with excellent pace, writing and delivery. Check it out wherever you get your podcasts from. And I'll put some links on our Smashing Security page. Marvellous. Well, I think that just about wraps it up for this week. Zoe, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online and see what you're up to. What is the best way for folks to do that? I am most commonly found on Twitter, where I am at ZSK. How cool is that? You have a three-letter so cool. Twitter account. You must be so gel, Graham. Well, do you know what? There's also a German rock star who, I, I can't quite figure it out. I think his, um, it could be a band actually, his or their Twitter handle is the capital ZSK because I, I always know when he's in concert because suddenly oh, all these wow. amazing German rock fans start tweeting me about how brilliant I am in a stadium and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity. No G and no German rock stars. Twitter wouldn't allow us to have a G. And you can also join us on Reddit in the Smash Insecurity subreddit. And don't forget, if you want to be sure never to miss another episode, subscribe in your favourite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Pocket Casts. 
And of course, huge, huge thank yous from us for listening, for supporting us, for sharing the pod. It means the world to us. Also, thank you to this week's Smashing Security sponsors, Meta Compliance and LastPass. Their support helps us give you this show for free. Check out smashingsecurity.com for past episodes, sponsorship details, and information on how to get in touch with us. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye. Zoe. Oh, bye. <laughs> but at one point, I had a problem with my Bitcoin wallet that... Um, I was using the local exchange and I had a problem with it. And the guy who ran the exchange, who I'd also interviewed for this piece, he said, oh, look, I'll just stick a little bit in there for you just so that you can like, I think it was, I think it was when we were buying the pints, for some reason it wasn't working. And he put like whatever it would be, four or five pounds worth of Bitcoin in this account, right? So that I could buy these um, drinks for the thing. Mm. And afterwards came back, did the piece, whatever, forgot all about it. And then suddenly there was that thing, wasn't there? It's was Christmas one year, and suddenly Bitcoin was worth like twenty grand. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. And everyone at work is sitting there going, "Oh, if only we had Bitcoin!" And suddenly I went, "Oh, hang on, <laughs> I've got Bitcoin because I can't, rem- I couldn't remember." But you know, he'd put in a little bit more money than than the drinks actually cost. There was a little bit of Bitcoin sitting in this long forgotten wallet of mine. So I was like, right, I got to dig this out. So I dug it out, found it. It was, it, it was quite hellish because of course I couldn't remember what on earth I'd used to get into it, but I managed to get back in and it was worth about 200 pounds. Right? <laughs> a Lovely. little bit of Bitcoin. I thought, well, you know, this is, this is a, a, an interesting scenario. Um, I don't know what I'm going to have to do with this. I'm going to have to give it to charity or something. I can't keep it, but you know, I'm, I'd like to sort of access it. So I, went all the way through this like I want to withdraw my bitcoin yes I want to do it in British pounds yes blah 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 here we go and then I hit this wall where it goes currently you can't withdraw your bitcoin in pounds but try later so I'm like oh okay so I you know do that thing where you refresh 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 it's not happening oh god I'm gonna have to wait till tomorrow so I wait till the next day still nothing I wait like a month still nothing I wait six months and actually I think I last tried it about a fortnight ago (laughs) and I still can't get it and now I don't know because Bitcoin has massively slumped back down again I don't know whether because I hit exchange it to pounds at that moment I don't know whether it's still worth 200 pounds or whether it's now like you know 54p or something (laughs) I feel completely like in limbo you should hold on so because John McAfee is pretty convinced that by the end of the year one bitcoin will be worth a million dollars yeah he's and, so smart too oh okay yeah, i definitely take tips from him well, they definitely won't let me take it out then will they he has promised to eat a part of his anatomy uh live on tv if it, it's not found to be true so uh has you know really? there's, <laughs> there's well, your that, incentive okay well it must be true if that's the case i'll, uh, <laughs> I'll hang on until where is, did he give an exact date for this is it like the sort of that mayan calendar thing that yeah says, plus yeah. He, has a vanity, he has a vanity bitcoin address that you can use oh yes excellent is it john mccaffey loves you yeah three, two, one. <laughs>